This is Blue Wire. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 16 of the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. And this week, I have an interview for you guys with former Miami Dolphins left tackle Richmond Webb, who actually played in the 90s. He was drafted ninth overall in 1990 out of Texas A&M. He had a 13-year NFL career and really a, a remarkable career that's worthy of the Hall of Fame. He had 183 starts, which is incredible. 118 of those were consecutive. He had 14 starts or less only twice in those 13 years. He was a seven consecutive time Pro Bowler, four time All Pro, a member of the NFL 1990s All Decade team. And I mean, the, I think the reason why he hasn't gotten more con- serious consideration for the Hall of Fame is honestly because he played in an era with left tackles such as Jonathan Ogden and Walter Jones, Orlando Pace, and even Tony Baselli, guys like that. He was on Pro Bowl teams with those guys for seven years, you know, um, at least the years that they made it as well. And he was really an outstanding player. Uh, he he p- protected the blind side for Dan Marino for a lot of those years. We talked about that. We talked about his transition from Texas A&M. Three of his four years at A&M, he played guard before moving to left tackle as a senior. We talked about that and what it was like for him, um, some of the apprehension that he had about that because he still felt like he was a better guard even when he was a tackle at A&M. And he told me a really cool senior bowl story and how his coach at the time was Buddy Ryan and um, just kind of the process of moving to tackle there. We talked about um, how pass pro isn't passive. Um, specifically with him, you know, coming over from guard to tackle, he had more of that aggressive mentality that he brought over with him. And we talked about how that shows itself on the field in different ways that different ways that he really was able to carry over that physicality to to playing tackle. Um, We addressed sort of the body blows argument that was going around on Twitter this last week about, you know, what what the value of that is from his perspective playing in the era that he did. Obviously, it's it's a different game, but at the same time, much of it is the same in terms of the things that he was doing on the field with his left guard, Keith Sims, who was actually a really good player in in his own right. Um, so some of the things that they were doing in pass protection in terms of passing off guys on stunts and looking for work when uncovered and, and things that you see every day on an NFL field even to today and what that does to a defense, uh, specifically defensive ends, defensive linemen, um, and just sort of the, the grind of a game and, and how he saw that, that for himself wear down guys late in the game um, just with, with them playing with a certain mentality. Um, and just uh, it, it was it was a really interesting perspective to hear from from a guy like Webb who who did it at such a high level for such a long time. And then we went on to talk about other left tackles that he watches today that he admires, left tackles that he played with, um, some of the guys that I, I mentioned, and in addition, guys like Willie Rofe, Gary Zimmerman. We talked about um, his toughest com- opponent, which was Bruce Smith, obviously being in the same division. Uh, more some of the underrated pass rushers he saw 
um, and and a few other things as well. So we covered a lot of topics, but I I feel like if you appreciate NFL history, if you enjoy that, and if you enjoy just hearing the nuances of offensive line play, um, as I'm sure you do if you're listening to this, uh, you'll you'll really enjoy this interview. So um, again, this is a uh, Richmond Webb, and uh, here's here's my interview with him now. Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go to harry's now it's just three dollars for our loyal listeners harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. harry's bought a world-class blade factory in germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years join the 10 million who have tried harry's claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com bluewire all of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Trench Warfare listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter the promo code blue. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. All right, everybody. I'm here now with Richmond Webb, longtime left tackle of the Miami Dolphins. Um, Webb was drafted ninth overall in 1990. He had a 13-year NFL career with uh, 183 starts. He actually had 118 consecutive starts, and he's a member of the NFL 1990s All-Decade team. He was a seven-time consecutive Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, and uh, he's been eligible for the Hall of Fame for about 10 years at this point, and I think he has a very, very strong chance of getting in eventually. Um, It's kind of surprising. He's one of the few offensive linemen out there who have a really strong case for the Hall of Fame who haven't made it yet, but... But with that said, uh, Richmond, welcome to the show, and thanks for being here. Thanks, Brandon. I'm glad to be on. I appreciate it. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing really good. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. No complaints. I'm doing good. Yeah, so are you, uh, you're, out, you're here in Texas, right? I'm in San Antonio, I believe. Where are you in Houston? 
That is correct. I'm in the Houston area. So. Okay, cool. And, of course, you're a Texas A&M alum. Um, and, you know, coming out of Texas A&M, I, I think it was interesting, something that you said previously um, was, you, you know, you, you played, you were more comfortable at guard coming into the NFL and you played that in college. Um, you played it three of your four years at A&M before moving to left tackle as a senior. And um, something that you said, I think you said it at the Senior Bowl when, when you were there, was um, part of your um, comfortability was your pass set. Um, you know, it had to be firmer on uh, at tackle to create room in the pocket. Can can you talk about why you were more comfortable pass setting at guard as opposed to tackle? Well, the the, the thing was when I went to the Senior Bowl, um, I got moved to tackle like maybe a week before the um, the actual college collegiate football season started. So. Um, I was used to playing guard. I played there like a year and a half or two years or whatever. So, um, I was for me. I didn't have to think about it or anything. Where um, uh, at tackle, uh, you have to set deeper. You don't have to set for the wide rush. Where guard, you know, you, you set firmer because you want the uh, you want to form the pocket to where it's kind of like a banana where you it's solid up front and the middle. So. If the quarterback had to step up, the tackles run the the uh, defensive players around, and that gives the quarterback the pocket to step up. So it was just that I was more comfortable because that's where I had played the whole time. I just played tackle um, my senior year. I guess I did pretty good, but in my mind, I always thought I was still a better guard. I just did that because that's what you know the coaches asked me to do. So when right. I went to the senior bowl, um, Buddy Ryan was my, my coach, and I actually went up to him and said, hey, is there any kind of way I can play offensive guard? Because, you know, that's the position I play, and uh, I think I'm a better guard. And he said, no, everybody wants to see you at tackle. So, um, and if you kind of look at my build, I'm probably more built for a tackle being, you know, six 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 seven with long arms. This and that. So but at the time, I just wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking that what I was most comfortable playing. So, um, yeah, that was a funny story. But yeah, you're exactly right. I did do that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because at guard, you know, obviously, you, I, I would assume you're more comfortable getting your hands on guys quicker and being more aggressive and physical at the point of attack, right? As opposed to playing in a little bit more space at tackle. Right, and, and and even with 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 that concept, you know, we ran the football, so um, you got the, the normally you either got a, a defensive lineman directly over you, or you know you got a gap where you got to try to get up to a linebacker, or you might work with the center to double up to the linebacker or whatever. So um, uh, that's that's kind of was the norm. I mean, I, I played the I played the tackle position. It, it, it's, it's different, but it's just um, uh, at the time, I didn't have as much knowledge. If I would have had a little bit better understanding, it probably wouldn't have been a shock, but I was just like, because when they first moved me to from guard to tackle, I wasn't real happy about it because of my senior year. Hadn't really played much tackle, so I'm like, it's right. either you get it right or if you don't, you screw it up, and then it's like, um, oh, man, I should have just stayed at guard, but it's too late. 
So that, right. I think that was one of the things I was struggling. So in my mind, I was just saying, okay, let me just get through this. I made it through that, and now let me get back to guard because I know I could. I, w- I was just comfortable there because it's where I had been playing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I would say you know obviously it worked out pretty good going ninth overall as a tackle, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, having the career you did. But yeah, that's it's cool to get the backstory like that because I don't I don't know that a lot of people knew that about you, um, and you know just talking about on on Twitter lately, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, in the offensive line community on there um, about something called like body blows basically where you know defensive linemen over the course of a game you know especially if the offensive linemen are extremely physical um, you know their effort level and psychologically it just sort of wears on them some people argue that that doesn't really contribute to winning or helping the, the the offense or the team very often, but then some guys do. I kind of err on the side of, you know, just human nature being what it is. If you're taking a beating, really, over the course of a game, it's going to change the outcome of how well you play as a defender. Did you notice that when you played the game, like particularly physical games when you either ran the ball a lot or effectively or just were really physical at defensive linemen? Did you guys – look for that and take pride in that and, and notice that you can wear down defensive linemen over the course of a game? Yeah, and I, I think you summed it up perfectly. It's basically uh, you wear a guy down or if you uh, can be extremely physical, you know, at the first quarter or whatever, it might not pay huge dividends. But as time goes on and, you know, those drives become 8, 10, 12 play drives and you keeping a defense out there on the field, you know, a defense is designed not to play. I, I know when I was in, in the NFL, typically if, if you could keep a defense to play around 60 plays, 65 plays, that that's optimum for them. But if, if you can keep them where they got to play like 80, 80 plays or 85 plays, well, offense is nothing. But if you can keep a defense out there, that's a lot more plays. And you got to think about defensive mentality. Everybody's taught to run to the ball, chase the ball. So you exert all this energy. You got to get back, and and over time, it's just going to wear out. And then you put the playing physical aspect with it, um, and mm-hmm. you know those two or three run running running plays turn into five, six, seven yards. That just takes the fight out of them. So. Uh, anytime you can be physical and, and get that going, it's normally going to pay dividends as long as you don't turn the ball over and stuff like that, stuff to to stop drives and stuff like that. You're going to typically, I'd say your percentages go up tremendously as far as w- having a chance to win that football game. Right, yeah, it makes total sense. Um, and, you know, I, I think about the teams that you were on, at least initially, you know, you got to the Dolphins in 1990, and of course your quarterback was Dan Marino, and he had been there already for, I believe, about seven years, and he was an established, you know, basically a superstar quarterback, and I know you talked about how you used that as motivation to to not get him hurt, because obviously you were a rookie coming in, and um, protecting Dan Marino at that point was critical, um, but just the, the, the way that the Dolphins played offense then, you guys, I think, passed the ball more than most. Um, were you guys – just talk about that experience of blocking for Dan Marino, and, and were you guys still able to be the physical type of tone-setting unit that you wanted to be with that style of offense? Yeah, yeah we, 
I mean, as an offensive lineman, I think we wanted to run the football more, but uh, we wasn't. Um, we weren't the guys that was calling the play, so you know, you just do whatever they ask you to do. But with us throwing the football a lot, a lot of times we would get the uh, the defensive line stunts in tackle, tackle in. You know, sometimes a linebacker. So, um, say if I was a, uh, blocking a guy and say that guy dropped off in the coverage. I'm I'm coming back in to if it's a guy over the guard, I'm gonna come and try to put as hard a lick as I can on him to have him looking out cause to 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 make him aware that hey we're gonna be physical whether it's just running or throwing the football and um, you know I played with Keith Sims we both came in as rookies and we really jailed and vice versa if it was a guy his guy he was opening and the linebacker didn't come or whatever. He would come and you know try to take a, a shot on a guy like that, but now right. um, in in this league now they they've started to change where you can't be um, as physical on some place like what we used to do, and a lot of time you get a penalty. But back then that that was that was the way we kind of compensated for throwing the football so much. If we had a chance, we was we was gonna try to clean your clock up if if right. we had a chance to take a shot on the guy. Yeah. Yeah, and and I like to to say that pass pro isn't passive because there's a lot of times on film where you see even to today where guys are looking for work, you know, when they're uncovered basically in pass protection, and you see some shots where guys are you know really trying to. We there's also a funny hashtag that's you know that goes around on Twitter where it's just hashtag slab where you're basically taking a slab of the ribs and just <laughs> trying to take them out there. And I mean, that's that physicality and that part of offensive line, I think is, you know, part for me on the outside, looking at it, that's part of what makes watching offensive line so fun is because that's really the only spot where you're able to, to really be that physical with the guy play in, play out. And I think, you know, you can really impact the pass rush at that point, I would imagine. And I'm sure you and Sims did that pretty often. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you figure you got a guy like uh, Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt mm-hmm. uh, or uh, even a Vaughn Miller, a guy like that. That's just, you know, just beating down. If you get, if you can do something, get a good lick on him. The wait a minute, say, oh, oh, he felt that, and he's he. If he came inside, came up the field and came, in, he's gonna kind of be weary because if he knows that guard's waiting on him to come in there like that, and he's gonna get punished. He he, he ain't gonna want no more of that. So. <laughs> Uh, a lot of times that limits the way that they rush the passer and all that, and it you know they can say what they want to, but if you keep getting hit like that, you, people move away from pain. They don't move toward it. I, I, I figured that out a long time ago. Right, that's that's well said, and I think that comes to fruition um, on film when you really watch it. But um, you know, I wanted to, to 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 kind of veer off and talk a little bit about um, left tackles that today that are playing. Um, are, are any of them that play today, do, do any of them remind you of the style that you played with at all? I know it's a different game today, but are there any left tackles that you particularly like watching and that you can see winning in similar ways that you did? Uh, I watch uh, New England left tackles pretty good, but he's with the Raiders now. And uh, I, I normally try to watch most of the Dolphins games, so uh, Larry Tonsil, he's pretty good left tackle. Uh, he hadn't gotten a lot of notoriety based on you know the way the Dolphins if they can kind of get 
start winning and stuff like that. But um, uh, uh, and I like uh, Smith from from Dallas. He was beat up a little bit, but I like watching yeah. him. And then uh, uh, I watched the Eagles. They got a pretty good offensive line. Um, yeah, they do. Jason Peters overall. So yeah, so I, I do watch and um, um, same characteristics. It's just you know great feet. Use their arms. Um, you know, very kind of athletic guys or very technically sound guys, and they just consistently do a good job overall. So, yeah, I, I watch still some of the guys I watch, and and uh, if it's a game on, that's normal. I just try to watch. I watch the offensive line play and stuff like that. So I do do that. Right, and and I guess a a better question would be when you were playing, are there any fellow left tackles that you admire the most? Because I look at some of those Pro Bowl teams you were on, and there was guys like Gary Zimmerman and even Tony Baselli, Willie Rofe, and um, just a bunch of guys like that. Was there any that you watched when you played and that you you know really you know admired? I guess more than more than others. Yeah, I mean, you always watch guys that kind of play your position, supposed to be considered, um, you know, the best. But like you said, Willie Rolfe, uh, Baselli, uh, Jonathan Ogden uh, up yeah. in uh, Baltimore, um, Walter Jones over in Seattle. So, uh, um, like you said, Zimmerman, um, uh, you name it. Um, and then even before I got in there, watching guys like uh, – uh, Jackie Slater and stuff like that. So uh, you always watch uh, line play. And uh, I know when I was playing pretty good, Dallas had two and eight and Eric Williams. That, that was a dominant. And Larry Allen was playing guard and Nate Newton and those guys. So um, they had probably one of the best lines in, in the NFL back then. But, yeah, you, you watch line play because you're like, man, they, they did a good job. So, yeah, you I think everybody does that, but I definitely did that. Right. And, you know, I mean, not just the guys that you played with and alongside of in, in all-star games and things like that, but, I mean, the the level of competition that you played was, was also very good, especially in your division. Obviously, you had a guy like Bruce Smith, um, who I believe you only gave up three and a half sacks to over your career. What what about Smith's game made him so great? And was there a specific pass rush move or – something specific about his game that was the most like hard to prepare for, most difficult to deal with? Uh, I think the thing with Bruce was he played the run just as hard as he did the, um, the pass. Uh, I think he took pride. I think every defensive line wants to get sacked, but um, uh, he played the run just as well as he did the pass. And you already knew 60 minutes. This guy was even if you hit him, he was gonna keep coming. So it's just he was just resilient, and he wasn't gonna quit. And uh, you knew you was gonna have 60 minutes of hell. And uh, I think the toughest thing, uh, one of the toughest things, was trying to cut him off on the backside because he was just so fast. And um, he had a pretty good spin move, and uh, uh, I think that was his the one that. He had that that that, that spin that he come up the field and spin every now and then, but uh, yeah, he was just he had he had it all. He had the total package. That's what I tell people, and that's that's why it was so tough to play against him. But um, you look forward to challenges like that because it just raises your level of play. 
Right. Yeah, that make that makes sense. And is there any guy that you played against over your career who may not be as well known as Bruce Smith that comes to mind who was especially difficult for you to play against? I think of some some really good players that played when you played like Leslie O'Neill and Chris Dolman and Charles Haley and people like that. But is there is it one of them or is there like an underrated guy that you could think of that was always tough for you? Yeah, I I, I played against all them and all them was great players. I don't think this guy's overrated, underrated. I think he just didn't get get the credit that he probably did because he was on a great defensive line, and that was uh, Clyde Simmons. Hmm. And he was uh, with the Eagles, and he, you know, Reggie Wright was on the other side. You had Jerome Brown, so those two guys probably got more the notoriety than he did. But he was he played the run, and he was pretty good pass rusher. So normally you don't hear as much about him you don't hear about Reggie White and Jerome Brown stuff like that but he was a a player that I said didn't get some of the recognition that I thought he he should have got got you okay well this was this was really good I mean I I feel like you gave us a tremendous amount of insight so I just uh, I don't want to take up more of your time but I just thank you so much for for doing this and I I know everybody listening is going to really appreciate it so um thank you again Richmond for joining us Hey, Brandon, I appreciate you having me on your show, and uh, it was definitely fun for me. It's always good to talk football, so thank you as well for having me on your show.